In this month's issue from Global Sport Matters, we've been exploring how the NFL moves forward from data gathered by our Global Sport Institute research team on head coach hiring and pathways for coaches of color, to the rise of women coaches in the NFL, to the true origins of the Rooney Rule. On the show today, Global Sport Institute CEO Kenneth Shropshire and Bill Roden of ESPN's The Undefeated join me to talk about the Rainmakers, the stalled progress in hiring for black coaches, and the pathway to progress. I'm Andrew Ramsamy, and this is the Global Sport Matters Podcast. So joining me now are Bill Roden. He's a writer for The Undefeated. Bill, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. How are you doing? And Ken Tropshire, CEO of the Global Sport Institute. Ken, how are you? Great, Andrew. Great. So are we tired yet of talking about the Rooney Rule? We've been talking about this now ad nauseum for what? Going on <laughs> four weeks, four years. Um what you know, the season is now over, right? The 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 Super Bowl is in the books. Uh, we're beginning to like vaguely remember what the weekend did for the halftime show. Um, but we've spent a lot of time here at the institute, right, for the last three weeks covering the story. We had Karen Given give us a history of the Rooney Rule, kind of an update on where the Rooney Rule is, where things need to go. And now it, it seems like there, there's a kind of renewed kind of conversation about potentially going back to the beginning of how this all started, which was with this kind of threat of, of, of litigation. So, Ken, what, what do you think is going to happen next with, with this kind of look and introspective look at the, at the Rooney Rule and then what we just saw uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, you know what? I, I don't know what's next. And, and you raise a a very interesting uh, descriptor, I guess, of what's been going on. The idea of talking about, and, and not so much the Rooney Rule, but but the hiring of black head coaches in the National Football League. And it has been pretty much a nonstop conversation, at least from my end, since the last hiring season. So, so usually it's been a uh, kind of a, a seasonal conversation. You wait till the hiring season happens, you see what goes wrong, you talk about it, and then, you, then it kind of drifts away until the next season. So this is the first time it's been nonstop for not just the three weeks that the Global Sport Institute's been focused on it, but but for, for the entire year since the, the last round of hiring. So, and, and I think we are still a bit uh, stunned, is probably too strong a word, as to, to what the outcome was this time around. And the conversation now is, as you allude to, about well, what what do we do next? You know, if the things that we've done so far haven't worked, what's what's on the horizon? Um, so that's that's kind of kind of where where I am with it. I, I don't know if you want to talk about the you know the Jaguars uh, hire and how how that fits. Is that yeah? I mean, so yeah. So so that it here was someone who was you know had been accused and 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 had a, a history of not so. Uh, not a great past when it came to uh, dealing with race. And then here it is, he gets hired 
uh, fairly quickly and fairly succinctly. And then all of a sudden he's now gone again. So it, is this the, the kind of thing where race just continues to like, oh, w- oh, we made a mistake. Uh, we really didn't do our due diligence. So we're just going to make this one go away again. At what point do people begin to realize that this is a, this is something that needs to take kind of a serious look at not just, yeah, we're going to sweep this under the rug and we're, we're going to move on to the next thing. When does this stop becoming the next thing? Well, well I think we're in the process of removing the rug from the house you know, taking the rug out the house, you know, putting it in the dumpster and then looking at everything that's been under that rug. And I like that uh, in terms of whether it's really examining the Fritz Pollard Alliance, who you're in bed with, who's in bed with who. I think that's when we're in this stage of, of discovery. You know, and it's been, um, you know, that's been the thing of protest throughout, you know, from, you know, the 1700s to, to now. Um, we were, you know, as black folks fighting, ongoing, fighting the establishment, fighting for our freedom, fight. You know, there have always been these, these alliances that we've had to kind of untangle and who's in bed with who and, and that kind of stuff. And now in, in the field of sport and play, uh, and that was a great thing that was about, about Rod, because I've always had some issues with the Fritz Pollard Alliance, because a lot of their funding does come from the National Football League. And, and, and inherently, there's a problem with that. But, you know, everybody, you know, and, and, and there's issues with uh, the um, Players Association and, and what's their relationship and DeMorris' relationship to the NFL uh, and in terms of money and where your money is coming from and you don't want to piss off too much of your member. You know, so the great thing about Rod, and I think Rod is prepared to break ranks. I think he really wants to use the Fritz Pollard Alliance uh, as a weapon, you know, to, to weaponize the Fritz Pollard Alliance um, against whether it's NFL owners or against, you know, to basically move us to the next level in terms of forcing people to do the right thing. Because you're right, and we just can't, you know, it gets to a point in the, in the, in the, in the battle where you stop using rubber bullets. That's probably not a good analogy <laughs> that might be a little too so you, long as one is not coming towards my head or my eye yeah, uh, yeah. Are, you, are, are you going you go to the capital next is yeah, exactly in the insurrection at the nfl yeah yeah, the, yeah i know you have those same people at the nfl you know or, or at the 32 teams you know you have you have the, you know a lot of black folks and players at at each of the 32 franchises or or how many of the kin the seven franchises who have never ever hired a black head coach in, in the in the hundred year history of the, the national football 102 whatever it yeah. is right i think that needs to be a flag and all that so anyway i guess i'm saying when rod, when rod wrote that a very strong letter to the jacksonville jaguars and basically how dare you hire this guy who's had a history and you know of of uh of um poor behavior toward black athletes and it worked there was pressure and they fired the guy. Now that that raises more questions about Urban Meyer, but it also raises questions about Charlie Strong, you know, who was, you know, in other words, you get hired, Charlie, you know about this guy. You should have been the one. You should have been the one that said, Urban, you can't hire this guy. You know, so I just think, uh, Andrew, that uh, we're no longer, we're no, there's not going to be a rug anymore to sweep stuff under. We're just going to deal with it. 
And yeah, let me use I, a, oh, go ahead. Not, 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 Andrew, I was going to say the, the, that letter that, that Rod Graves sent on behalf of the Fritz Pollard Alliance was the first time the Fritz Pollard Alliance has really targeted specifically a hire and said it's problematic and here's why. And, and, and Frank, you know, one of the things that, that we do have to reflect on, though, one of the reasons why we're in this, this difficult situation is when you hire a head coach, there aren't, you know, there's, there's not the whole smoking gun kind of problem of this is a racist head coach, this is something that's problematic. It's just we decided on this person over that person. This person happens to be white. The other person that you're concerned about happens to be black. So, so this this one element, you know, this one time the Fritz Bauer Alliance really steps up, they had good reason to. If they hadn't stepped up this time, it really would have been uh, problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we yeah. talk about the coaching carousel. I feel like we've been on a conversation carousel, right? right. So a, a year ago, we all assembled uh, at the Phoenix Art Museum. Uh, to do an event called the journey of the black quarterback in the NFL uh, coming off the heels of the first release of, of the global sport Institute's field study, looking at, at race and hiring of head coaches. Now it's been a, a full year later. Uh, a lot has transpired in this country in terms of awakening or a reawakening on race, the pandemic. I mean, all of the kind of social forces and, political forces, economic forces, all the things that are kind of coming to a head at this moment. Um, I mean, Ken, in, in your 30 plus years of, 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 of looking at sport and looking at the intersection of race, and, and I know it's the thing that it's like, again, we, we, we're having another conversation about sport and race. Yes, we are. But what will be the thing that finally kind of, you know, the analogy I look at is the, 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 the carnival uh, machine that has all the quarters that are like on the edge. And then there's going to be that one additional quarter that's going to push them all over. What could be the one thing that actually now moves the intent of the Rooney rule beyond just intent? Did you say that? So you wouldn't say the straw that breaks the camel's back. You want yeah, to that's overused. A, a <laughs> I, I saw the camel this week and he was, he's like snowed in in Texas. So. You know what? I, I, I don't know what that is. And, and, and I, I say this a lot, you know, when I was a kid watching Martin Luther King and and the whole fight was for integration. And, and as a kid, I was uh, in my mind, you know, the mind of a you know, six, seven, eight year old. It was once integration happens, once the Civil Rights Act passes, everything's going to be OK. And then lo and behold, you know, here we are, you know. <laughs> decades later and everything's everything's not okay but it took a while and and i can imagine over time you know once emancipation happens once reconstruction is is in full force once we get rid of these segregation laws that you just just think there's going to be this moment that's going to change things and you know not you know only bill will equate these sports institutions with plantations but 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 the idea the idea that the transition from where we are now and the idea that it's, it's, you know, the sophistication you have to have to make sure you don't have anything in your emails and your text and otherwise that looks discriminatory in this moment when it's, you scratch your head about the black candidates that weren't, weren't hired. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the big issue about, about litigation, what litigation and discovery can pull out is what what's really going on because you do step back and say you know what what are we missing what don't we understand 
can you give us a better explanation? Can you tell us why you hire these guys that seem by any standard not to be superior to the African-American men that, that you passed over? But that, that's really the, the conversation. And, 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 and there may well be, you know, again, I'm not a, you know, full-fledged football guy, so that, but, but I do hear full-fledged football people say there is no explanation, that yeah. they can't understand why it is the way it is. And Bill, do you think by having these conversations, like I'm sure that these conversations have occurred in closed doors, you know, in, at a bar, in a setting where no one is publicly having these conversations. Now you have the, the letter from Rod Graves, which is a public letter. You were having these very public conversations about what's going on. But are we not being strong enough about the fact that it, whether it appears to be or not is racism? Is this a clear-cut case of racism? And will these conversations that we're having now in a much more public forum, the fact that the three of us are actually having this conversation, I'm sure five or 10 years ago, we may not be able to have them. And if we did, it would have been a private conversation. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been having a conversation for quite a while. I, I just think the point is we're getting beyond past the point of talk uh, at this point. And that, you know, we're talking about the carousel and cliche words. One of the phrases from um, my youth and Ken's youth, which has resonance, remember in the 60s, the struggle continues. You know, the yeah. struggle continues. And that's one of those things. But you realize, you know, when you get to be, you know, late 60s, 70s, I remember my father thought about when he was like 93. And he looked back and he said, wow, you know, I thought we'd have been farther along than this. And this is having already seen a black president. But you look back and realize that as black folks, we've just been on this huge merry-go-round. And you go miles and miles and miles in this circle. And when the merry-go-round stops, you get out and say, wait a minute, I'm getting off the same place I got on. I haven't really gone anywhere. <laughs> you know, we've gone miles and miles and miles. And I don't think we've not just gone anywhere, but it's, just, it's kind of circular. But there's always one thing that happens that moves, as you call it, moves the needle an inch. But I think in our industry, what's going to move the needle is when athletes, you know, because right now, black athletes make up the NBA and the NFL. And you saw what happened when the Milwaukee Bucks said, fuck it, we're not playing. You know, like, okay, because that's the only one thing, you know, this is the, this is why the, the field of sport and play is so unique, because the labor, the raw material, it's not like, you know, the raw material is like nuts and bolts. So you go to a harvest. The raw material is labor, flesh and blood. And, you know, I think that when athletes, black athletes and even white athletes began to picket and boycott and circle the circle the establishment. And when the owner comes out of his car or whatever he does, and Jerry Jones, you've got, he's met with a, 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 a picket of, of his star athletes saying we demand fair, I mean, you know, that kind of embarrassment. You know, so I think it has to be, you know, I mean, to me, it has to escalate. You got to have the athletes involved and the Players Union Association involved. To me, that's the next level. And and the lawsuit. I think it all has to work together. Yeah, no, I, 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 I fully agree. I, I had a chance to talk about it. wrote a book a few years ago called uh, Sport Matters, ironically yeah. enough. And 
I talk about it's the little things that it's, it's, it's you've got to do a bunch of little things right. and there's going to be a constant need to to fix those little things to readjust what you do. So, you know, and, and so I do see, you know, the Rooney rule is a piece of this, but it's the Rooney rule plus. And, and Bill is, a, you remember in our earliest conversation, was adamant the athletes have to play a role in this. I mean, that, that, that's one piece of it. Think about the difference that would be made if, if every athlete, black, white, otherwise, said this hiring thing is not working right, right. if they did sit out a game. So that, that could be one piece of it. This litigation is, is another piece. I'm not sure what, what form it takes. That's going to be an interesting global sport matters conversation. Uh, I, I think the focus is on the individual franchises. Maybe there's some action against the league that, that should be contemplated. There's also government. I mean, there's also, you know, all these uh, special regulations that, that the NFL and, and other leagues have that, you know, we see how, you know, now we all know more better than ever how, how Congress works and the things they can do and can't do if they want to do the kind of power they have to change things and basically say, we're going to take away your right to negotiate uh, TV deals uh, in a way that violates the antitrust laws unless you prove to us that you're not being discriminatory in your hiring. I mean, so that doesn't take much for someone to get behind it and cause that kind of problem. And for the, for the league, and especially the teams, they don't want that kind of regulation. They don't want that kind of involvement. So, so there are a lot of things that, that haven't been done that could be done. The, 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 the last piece that we keep talking about, and I don't know, maybe we'll come up with a better descriptor of it, is that the owners just do it, that it is just a hearts and minds kind of determination of, okay, may, maybe I haven't been looking broadly enough. Maybe I haven't thought, you know, maybe I have just been doing the Rudy Rule in a pro forma matter and, and, and going to get Urban Meyer in, in the end. And we're talking about, you know, one of the owners of color that, 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 that made, made that move. So, um, so, so there are a lot of pieces that are out there that we, we have to keep looking at. And this, this gets back to the, you know, the struggle continues, a luta continua. I mean, all the, all the, uh, all the ways we used to say it to think about why we have to stay, stay engaged in this way. So we've talked about the owners, we've talked about players, we've talked about coaches, we've talked about the league. What roles? What role do fans have in all of this? What do you think, Bill? Not, not, not. I think fans are part of the problem. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think fans really uh, have that much of a because if you look at the fans in stadiums, mostly predominantly white fans, they, they, you know, they're, you know, they're not care. You know, they don't. I don't think they really care. They're not gonna. You know, fans are going there to, to skate and to barbecue and to do the thing. They don't care about this stuff that you have a, a, a black girl. Now, also, you know, let's let's try this, Ken. I mean, you know, I, I think what you also have to have, and this is the issue, when you've got the Belichick black coach, you know, when you've got this black coach who, who, who establishes dynasty, you know, now I know a lot, you know, you know, who wins two, three Super Bowls all of a sudden. You know, same thing with a, with a black quarterback. When you've got a black quarterback, and, and I think we're about to get there because, you know, Brady is gone and, you know, Rogers is getting ready to go, Breeze is going. I think when you've got these black folks who began to do what our industry is found of, winning, and they become dynastic, you know what I'm saying? Now all of a sudden the conversation changes because now all of a sudden you've got this young black coach who's won, or this young, who's this black coach who's won like 
three Super Bowls, you know? And like, wow, you know, damn, what that, you know, winning matters. And and Ozzy Newsom got a little bit of that shine when he was with the Ravens. And they had this great defense. Then they won, you know, the Super Bowl and all that. People were saying, Newsom. And I think that, again, Ken, to get back to your thing about Sports Matters, it's a great book, by the way, and I wish I had written it. You know, when you, you know, when you, those are all part of the little thing, but winning is another part of that too. And we just haven't, we've not yet had that black coach yet. Um, you know, imagine Mike Tomlin had won like four Super Bowls by now, you know, and, uh, you know, um, let's say down in Miami, he wins three. I mean, but I think that's another component of this where, you know, you keep raising that damn Lombardi trophy. And now all of a sudden, you know, copycat league owners, the most racist owner was a damn, you know, maybe shit, you know, you know, let's let us get this young, some kind of black coach. So it's not the only silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. But like Ken said, that's another part of it. You know, uh, and again, I, I mean, I just was thinking about this. Ken, we, we haven't had that yet, right? I mean, that's why I was so disappointed when Russell Wilson came an interception away from winning his second Super Bowl in three years. That would have changed the discussion. You know, that would have elevated him. And, and so, right, right, you know, right. those kinds of things are important. And one thing leads to another. I mean, they, they, right. No, I, I agree. And there, and there are pieces, you know, the Tony Dungy to, to Jim Caldwell moment was was an example of, of, of the kinds of things that, that could be done to to uh, sustain African-American presence at, at the top level, to, to provide an example that it's, a, it's okay. I mean, you know, Tomlin, a uh, lot more, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't scrutinize him that, that closely, a lot more he could do in terms of his stuff, because he has had the longevity in terms of it creating, you know, the, the Tomlin tree could be like the Walsh tree or something like that in terms of, of uh, delivering uh, African-American candidates, um, but but it hasn't been it. So yeah, there are a lot of pieces out there that, that say this could be done. We'll see, yeah, we'll see what Flores does down in Miami. That 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 could be something. They, they, they're, they're building something down there, and that is a franchise with a heavy African-American presence, the, the Miami Dolphins. So yeah, it, it's just, but but the answer, you know, a Andrew, when you start, start this off, uh, and even before we, we we're getting underway with this. I, that was exactly my feeling. Boy, we keep talking about this. I don't know what what different to say. I am sure I know. I mean, I'm you know on Twitter as much as anybody. You know the the number of people that say, "Why is it always about race? Why you keep bringing race up?" Well, if you don't, if I don't bring it up, you won't. I mean, if, if, I, if I if I don't if I don't say, if Bill doesn't say, if Andrew doesn't say, then it is there's a great likelihood it won't come up. I mean the the gets back to the Urban Meyer situation. Somebody needed to call that out. Urban says, well, I've known him for 20 years. This is this is the right guy. Well, somebody needed to, as, as, as Bill said, need to pull the rug up and shake it and look underneath it. And that's what Rod's letter did. We said, no, no, this, this is not okay. This is not 1922. We're not doing stuff like this anymore. Yeah. And, and you know, go back, Ken, 
and I think I, I want to keep going because you raised a great point just about little pieces, right? The other pieces that you mentioned, Tomlin, and we talked about this the other day, account, black accountability as well. You know, it's not enough for you as a black coach to get the job, but you don't bring any other black folks along. And I think that's another thing that we've got to really hold each other accountable, not taking any bribes. But if you're, you know, Mike Tomlin, you're Lovey Smith, you know, if you're um, uh, Ray Rose, Herm Edwards, Denny Green, Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell, Hugh Jackson, Marvin Lewis, Todd Bowles, Brian Flores, we need to look at your record and say, okay, how many coordinators have you hired? How many uh, special teams coordinators have you hired? How many defensive coordinators? Have, how many people have you put in the in the pipeline? You know, uh, not taking anybody off the hook, but this is another one of those little pieces. Because like you said, if you don't do it, who's going to do it? Now, we'll get explanations. And maybe it's like, you know, well, I really can't do that. You know, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. But I think that we have got to, just like on the field, players hold each other accountable you know, to win the championship. Well, I think we have got to hold each other accountable too. That's not just enough for you to get a job, but are you going to bring other people along? So, and and and, and that is a conversation we've not really had. Because, you know, you know how we are, but we don't really want to call each other out, you know, publicly like that. But, you know, um, I think you have to. But that, that's the case. That That's, you know, you, know, you, re- you wrote about this in, you know, $4 million slaves, you know, Bob Johnson uh, buys sports franchise, kind of, kind of the, you know, the, the Bobcats, kind of, kind of the, <laughs> kind of, kind of the, the moment we, you know, we were waiting for. Well, what's going to happen now that we finally have African-American ownership? Is this, is this the answer, which by the way, is, is almost impossible to think about to and now, uh, is this the answer that we, we need? And, and you know, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't really, you know, I, I think, I, th- I think I came out a little bit different from you in terms of, of how well he did did with that in terms of, of hiring African Americans once he got in there, but but that is that is this this uh, you know and I'll even call it an obligation. I know that's a problematic word uh, to to put on black people when they get in positions of, of power. I mean, but I think most of us that have been in the struggle realize that that's an obligation. Realize that there's going to be a moment of truth, a conversation, some kind of uh, uh, confrontation from someone along the way. If, if you don't, if you don't do it, if you can't answer the question, if you can't, you know, of uh, uh, all all things I try to do in, in the work that I do, you know, I want to be in a position to say, yeah, I, I did think about, you know, whatever black people, but this this was the best way to go, and here's why. But you know, I, I think I'm doing okay otherwise. And if you're a head coach. And you have the opportunity to bring coordinators in to to continue to fill the pipeline. There's not a pipeline problem to continue to fill it. Then then you're if you're not doing that, then you're part of the problem too. Yeah, exactly. If if, if you know, because we see all the time, and the same thing you know goes to colleges. If you're a black AD, how many coaches have you hired? How many you know things like that? But um, it's you know you see all the time where these coaches white coaches will look at a Dabo Sweeney, who's nothing as a player, but they'll say, you know what? I think you got potential. And they pull you off the scrap heap and put you in the coaching pipeline. And if our guys aren't doing that, and like you said, the talent pool of black folks is rich, man. I mean, this game, blacks have dominated 
the playing field probably now for the last, more probably more than three decades now. We've been the dominant force in, 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 in football and basketball probably for the last three decade, decades. And so there's an ample pool of talent. Not saying that every black person wants to coach, but there's enough of them there. There's enough of a pool there that, that if, if you are a black head coach and you haven't done your part to pull people out now, and I, I'm fascinated to hear the answers. You know, like what they say, like you said, can they say, well, you know, I, I just didn't see any qualified people. Or I'm getting pressure from the front office. They don't want me to hire a lot of I don't know. But we have to hear that, you know. So, yeah. So what are some of the lessons learned about what we've been going through and, and what parallels can be drawn to a lot of the places and spaces that we're involved in, right? So, Ken, you're involved in academia. Bill, you're involved in the world of journalism and, and, and media. You know, I've done a lot of stuff in like the world of corporate. I mean, wh what do you think should be, how should people look at this and how should they interpret what is going on and, and what lessons could be learned to kind of translate back into to your respective worlds? Well, you know, at, at the heart of all this, um, and, and a couple of athletes answered, you know, a, a question, of, you know, how do you play so long, how all these things these difficult things that they pulled off answered this way. Uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, to do it properly is hard work. It, it's, not, it's not easy. I mean, if we're talking about the, the black head coach trying to, to hire other black people, that's hard work. I mean, it's not something you can just, just do. You, you have to contemplate what the issues are. If you're the, the white owner and you don't have any relationship with any black people in your life and the candidates are the first time you really have to hire somebody to run your billion dollar enterprise and you revert to the default of, I want somebody I'm comfortable with. Yeah, you're right. Human nature makes that be somebody that probably looks like you. Uh, so, so all these things, it's, so it's hard work. You, you have to have, at, at the, you know, I, I, in this whole process, I've been trying to figure out how do you get into the owner's ear just as he or she is about to make that decision and say, well, let's, let's think a little bit more. That, I mean, that, 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 that to me seems like the moment that we, we can't get to. You do, you know, you do the Rooney Rule, you do the interview thing. Okay, I got through that. Now I can do what I want to do. You know, how, how do you engage somewhere more deeply if, if the owner doesn't engage him or herself in doing that? So, so that's, but that's what we all need to do. I mean, again, I'm, you know, again, I can look at, at my life. I can look at years trying to bring black professors into uh, University of Pennsylvania at some success, some some failures. But it was, but as, as Bill says, it's a constant struggle, constant thing on my mind. And you also, you know, if I can get on the couch for a moment, when you do when you do that all the time, you also have that awareness of, you know, do I want to be the person who was always thought of as the race guy? Can I can I do something else. I remember, you know, various times people would ask me to be on the, the, the this diversity committee. Or that, and I said, no, I want to be on the, the finance committee. Right. I want, I want to, I want to, you know, I can do all this other stuff. I, I'm a lawyer. I want to, I want to look at property law. And I used to teach real estate transactions at the law school for the, you know, probably, you know, psycho on, on the couch for that very reason, just to say, oh, no, no, I, I can do this other stuff too. Um, so, so there are all these elements that are there that I think we can all walk away with that, that, that there's a whole long line in the academy of, you know, talking about realism, you know, racial realism, 
kind of all kinds of, that if you were just realistic about it, if you, you know, and again, in the, in the street language used to be, if you keep it real, if you just, if you actually talk about it, then you might be able to, to, to improve the situation rather than, okay, I follow the rule. Let me, let me go on and do what I want to do and not think about it anymore, any more deeply. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I remember, um, you know, at, uh, at the undefeated now, I remember a number of years, six years, like 2016. You guys got any white employees in there? Uh, no, man, we've, we've resisted. You know, we just can't find any qualified. No. <laughs> now, they're actually, yeah, I think we do have a couple of white employees. Well, it's part, it's part of ESPN, which is a whole, whole nother. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was like, it's not like the Afro. It's like, <laughs> like the undefeated is by, by the, you know, by ESPN, which is Disney and all that. Yeah, uh, right. But But they created... Uh, a road to fellowship, a fellowship designed to say, okay, each year we're going to get six young black journalists from HBCUs and we're going to give them a year long fellowship. And it, as it evolves, it's saying, we like to keep them in the company. We'd like to put them in the, put them in the pipeline. And I, I think that there are a lot of people who've been doing that in my business, you know, um, you know, so I, like you're saying, Ken, uh, that we both saying like, it's just an ongoing responsibility that we've got to do our part and hopefully you'll have some white folks you know whose hearts are in the right place like a bruce arians hopefully there'll be a bruce arians in ownership you know and there was like at pittsburgh there was the uh rooney family. Now the rooney family yeah yeah so you know a few more uh and like what we were saying the other day and i think when they see winning and they see some black coaches winning you know three and four super bowls you know, it'll be, remember, Ken, you, in our lifetime, there were people who didn't think that you could win with, like, you know, you could only win with a handful of blacks on the team. There were people who actually thought that. I was reading, like, a Sports Illustrated thing back in the day. Well, the best number to have on the team was about three or four blacks. <laughs> they say that. <laughs> An actual number, right? Yeah, they'd actually say that. These white coaches, yeah, it's good just to have about three or four. And all that. You know, I mean, that people say that. And those people now look at the NFL I'd be like, fuck, if they would come back when the day and they see that they look at the NFL team, I see like the old team was black, you know, it'd be like, gee, you know. So it's that thing that when, when you will look back and it'd be like 10 black head coaches, 12, you know, and like 10 presidents of, you know, and these are successful teams that are making a lot of money, you yeah. know. Yeah. But it's, it's this ongoing process of pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and you, you, like you say, you wish you could just be on the finance committee. Yeah, just, I, I, I mentioned it the other day on, a, on another podcast, but it's, it's worth mentioning again, because it is, it is the, uh, you know, what's the ultimate out, what, what does success look like? Where, where is it that you want to be? And um, the great Derek Bell, late, late professor, wrote this fantastic article, short story, the Chronicle of the Divine Gift. And this is a hair care products guy, gives a bunch of money to a law school and says, hire some more black, hire some black faculty. So they have all this success, <laughs> they, you know, and then all of a sudden they got so many black people there, the, the, the white people have a meeting and, and they say, then the line in, in, in the short story that, that stands out is, well, this is starting to look like an NBA team. Is, is this what we're try, trying to do? And, and the, you know, we talked about the other day too, you know, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, what's the perfect number of women on the court? Nine. 
I mean, just the idea of, of, of where should it be and how, and, and that's what we need to talk about too. What, what is it that we're comfortable with? Uh, and ultimately, if, if the process is right, which, which it's not with the NFL now, is that good enough? If you end up with, and, and that could be the answer for, for those black coaches that have pressure or otherwise is, I went through the process, I did everything right, I, I didn't discriminate, and this is the best team for me. And everybody believes it. I mean, that's that's kind of the that's right. kind of the place you want to get to, but we're, we're not there. But that's the feeling you want to have, where you don't even think about it anymore. Yep, I'm, I'm sure they did everything they were supposed to do. Uh, uh, too too bad. Uh, there, there's only five five black guys on the staff, and three women. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So. Well, Bill, uh, Ken, I want to thank you. Uh, this is uh, sadly and unfortunately my final podcast with Global Sport Matters. But uh, oh, wait, wait, and you didn't, and you didn't solve the problem. I didn't yeah. solve it. Well, no, no, you can't leave. Yeah, you, I did <laughs> full, we, you were brought I, here to solve the problem. I did, <laughs> full, I did a full revolution on the carousel, and now I'm getting off. <laughs> but no, the, I mean the struggle continues, right? I'm about to head into a a, a space that we all know is in uh, dire need of help, which is local journalism, which is also predominantly run by by white families and white run owned companies. So. Um, but you know, it's I think of I think about the 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 challenges and the opportunities as well too. But um, there are very few, uh, you know, Bill, you know this. There are very few head editors of publications that are people of color and that are black. Um, and and I think that is part of the 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 challenge and issue is going to be about making sure that there's representation and diversity across the board. And I think I, I've taken away a lot of interesting stories and ideas from the work that we've done here at Global Sport Matters and Global Sport Institute. Um, and the research and the data, um, you know, we're beginning to see in the world of journalism that mo a lot of organizations are now publicly reporting on stories uh, and who are in those stories and who's writing those stories and who's editing those stories. So I think the level of transparency and accountability is coming out even more and more. Um, and I think you know, we're at a very interesting point where a lot of money is being poured in, right? I mean, how many times do we see the same ad over and over again during the Super Bowl of the $230 million that's going to be invested uh, into yeah, right. causes related to, to race? So it's a very interesting time and an interesting space. And I, I, I feel very, uh, you know, honored and privileged to have worked with both of you uh, on this stuff. And I know there will be more to come. So uh, just because I'm leaving, the show doesn't end. The show does continue on. Um, but uh, Bill and Ken, thank you. Thank you so much for, for everything that you've done. And I, I have truly and genuinely learned a lot from both of you. Yeah, well, thank you, Andrew. We'll miss you. Uh, like the struggle continues. And the yeah. show must go on. And the show must go on, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we need a, a new ringleader for me and Bill, though. So that we'll, we'll, no. we'll figure it out, though. We'll you know, if you need, if I can come back from time to time. If, you know, if you're really feeling down and out, I'll, I'll come back in, pop in. So... Keep us in line. <laughs> Ken Shropshire, Bill Roden, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This episode was produced by Kendall Jones. The Global Sport Matters podcast is a production of the Global Sport Institute at Arizona State University. Our manager of events and programs is Kendall Jones. Our marketing and communications manager is Crisal Valencia. Our marketing and communications assistants are Katie Cross, Julia O'Connell, and Natalie Skegan. 
To stay up to date on the latest from the Global Sport Matters team, be sure to sign up for our newsletter at globalsportmatters.com. And if you have a question or comment for us, send us a tweet. We're at globalsportmtrs. I'm Andrew Ramsiami, and until next time, continue to social distance, wear a mask, and wash your hands.